You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 278. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. So it's been a couple weeks since the last time we talked. I uh, Obviously, I did a solo show last week. I got quite a bit of um, feedback on that show, David. I'm not surprised. It was emotional. Yeah, it was. I was I was kind of torn whether I was going to do a show like that or not, but I figured, A, you had done one, and you talked about the passing of your dad, and, I, you know, I've never really hidden anything on TechFan or MyMac before that, or even OWC Radio, and I thought, you know what, just, just talk, you know, so yeah. that's what I did, and uh, it seemed to have resonated with some people. And we'll get to feedback, obviously, in the second half of the show. But David and I weren't together when it came to the last show, and Apple had that event. And I talked about the event. We don't need to rehash exactly what was released. But I think the fallout, at the very least in the tech press, is worth talking about, David, because it was a little bit surprising to me. But it shouldn't have been, but it kind of was. Apparently, it was surprising to Apple, too. I saw... um, um a interview in the Independent, which is a British newspaper, with Phil Schiller this week, and he mentioned that perhaps they were a bit taken aback by the level of the feedback. Um, there, I mean, they really should be used to it now. Um, everything they do gets examined under a kind of a microscope lens, really. But because there is this perception that they've not been giving the Mac much love for some time, which I think is a fair criticism. It's not a perception. Um, it's not a false perception. It's reality. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, that's what it is. I, I, I agree. I, I, I think that perception is colored by your particular feelings towards Apple at the moment. Um, and it, and it, it obviously when anything gets emotional or when you have an emotional feeling towards it, it can be difficult to maintain perspective. Um, and I think some of the commentators this week kind of fell into the trap of, of allowing their emotions to, to color how they I felt. Would agree. I, I would agree. I would say... I was hoping for more, and I was a little bit disappointed about aspects of what we got. Um, and I don't, I don't think Apple has done enough to dispel the idea that the Mac is very much a second-class or even third or fourth-class citizen in the kind of the Apple pecking order in terms of priority. And um, they, that I think they have to own that criticism and, and have to learn from it because. It's not going to go away. They continue to go on like this. It's only going to get worse and worse. They are... The problem with Apple is I think they continue to operate on a, you know, we're a small, up-against-the-wall, back-to-the-wall right. type company. Yep. Uh, and and that's fine, and they've had a lot uh, of passes for a long mm. time for that, but they are now one of the biggest companies in the world, and yet they continue to do things which suggest they are short of resources, and that is just... It's asinine. Well, I think it's, from my perspective, I think they're not playing the underdog anymore. I think they're playing the arrogance card. I think they're, when they come out and they're all smiles and they can't wait to show us these great new products that they've got, one of which is simply an app for an existing product. Yippee. I'm real excited about that. Um, Which, quite honestly, wasn't keynote-worthy. Uh, for the time they gave it. And the other was a long-awaited update 
from a tech spec, the new MacBooks or MacBook Pros, meh, it's a minor upgrade. But yeah. they add this one bar, a bigger trackpad, and all of a sudden, you know, the touch bar. And it, yeah, it's cool, neat. Uh, and I do think it's very innovative. And I think you'll see this become very popular, potentially. Well, it, it will or it won't. I mean, right. it is it is very much a... I, I mean, Apple has done many of these things over the years, and some of them stick and some of them don't. And it will very much be a, you know, time will tell whether this is something that's really going to kind of change the way people use laptops or not. Is it innovative? Is it a risk? Absolutely. And I applaud them for that. And, and I think technically what they've pulled off with that is is pretty clever. They've effectively... You know, shoehorned a small iOS computer into the top of the laptop. Yep, it's great. You know, from that point of view, it's great. But if you look at the whole event and what they announced compared to the remaining holes in their product line, and also where those devices they did announce fit in their product line, it's a mess. It's it's not only a miss; it's a huge miss because yeah, they've got their top of the line computer at the very least by price is over three years old. And they yeah. they came out all smiling. Hey, look at us! We're doing great. No, you're not. You're yeah. it's you're a joke at this point, especially when you have this event and this is what you announce. And Microsoft has an event, and they blew Apple's doors off with the, in, a brand new innovative product. Oh, look who's innovating now? Microsoft, not Apple. Yeah, and and of course you know. Phil Schiller's um, can't innovate my ass comment from when the uh, Mac Pro was launched is uh, continuing to resonate still in, in that area as well because there's no point releasing something cool and new and then leaving it to die on the vine. Yeah, that's exactly um, what they've done. Yeah, and and you know what? App, obviously, Apple likes to do the whole secrecy thing. We don't talk about upcoming products. This was the one time when they should have done. And and my view is there there is a there is a fairly clear. Um, thread of thought going through a lot of the analysis saying that look desktops except for maybe the iMac are just aren't a big deal for Apple so they're just not interested um, they're not going to develop that that's fine but I think if, if that's the situation Apple should just come out and say you know what we're going to kill these product lines Yep. these are not what our customers want if they'd have come out and done that I think a lot of people would have griped and not been happy but at least you know at least you can make your purchasing decisions based on what you know the situation is, but this whole well, oh maybe maybe in March they'll they'll release some some updates to the desktops. Maybe in March they'll release a new Mac Pro, and then um, it comes and passes and nothing. Oh well, maybe it'll be WWDC, and then that comes and passes and nothing. And then well maybe maybe it'll be the uh, the fall event with the uh, when they launch the new iPhone. You know it's it's ridiculous. You can't just keep stringing your customers along. That these are your most loyal fans. And these are the people who don't buy, just buy Mac Pros. They also buy iPads, other laptop, uh, Apple laptops, and they buy iPhones. You know, you can't really afford to, to upset these people because they are core customers. Just professional Macs might not be, desktop Macs not, might not be. But the problem with, with it, that Apple seems to have forgotten, and I, I'm... You know, I'm 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 afraid I'm going to have to play this card in this episode, which is, you know, what would Steve Jobs have done versus what Tim Cook does? Tim Cook is a product guy. He looks at the spreadsheets, he looks at the numbers, and he makes his decisions based on that. He seems to have lost sight of the fact that actually these products they they form synergies with each other. If you're in the Mac ecosystem and the Apple ecosystem, you tend to buy a lot of Apple stuff. Yep. And so every time you 
put one of the thousand cuts into the Mac Pro by not talking about it or not updating it, then what you're doing is you're souring those Mac Pro customers against all of all of the things that Apple make. And, you know, as soon as those guys start thinking, well, maybe I'll use a Windows PC for, for whatever it is I need my Mac Pro for, then immediately they start thinking, you know what, well, maybe I don't need Apple anymore. Maybe I don't need the iPhone anymore. Maybe I don't need an iPad anymore. Uh, certainly, if you if you if you've got a Mac, if you've got a, a Windows desktop for your pro work, you're probably not going to have an Apple laptop. You can have a Windows one, yeah. So it has a massive impact on all of these other lines that apparently Apple really does care about. So it's stupid. I agree. And uh, the other thing, yeah, the other thing I'd say is the pricing of the laptops is is also you know innovative as they are, but to push your whole product line so far away from where laptop pricing is nowadays is also stupid it's stupid and insulting they, they it's too expensive i, I don't understand yeah. why they think that for the 15 inch laptop is almost two thousand dollars seriously yeah. do they not know what's going on in the rest of the industry now apple's never been a race to the bottom kind of company and they like healthy margins <laughs> but when it takes you this long to upgrade your product cycle yeah. and anybody who's seriously considering a pro machine even if Apple came out with a new Mac Pro right now, there's no way in hell I would buy it because I don't trust that this would be updated anytime soon. So why am I going to continue to invest my money in this ecosystem when Apple clearly doesn't care about it? And, yeah, and so they can give it lip service all they want. Phil Schiller can get into interviews, but where they should have given it lip service, and if they didn't realize this at the time, then they're incompetent and they should be fired, is during a keynote. When you have these huge gaps, everyone's been talking about it. They're not deaf, and they completely ignore it. Tim Cook is all smiles, and, you know, look how much we're helping people with disabilities. And look at this one new app, and we have got this one new laptop, and that's it. And if they didn't know that they weren't going to get this much heat, then they're incompetent. They should be fired. I don't care how much money they're making for the company on one product line, which is the iPhone. I, think, I mean, if I it wasn't for the iPhone, Apple would be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's an issue for them, is that they need to have a diverse product line, and they've got to keep everything going. And as I said, it's not like they don't have the resources to do so. Correct. This is ridiculous that it takes so long to update these machines. Yeah, whatever the, the situation is with... Um, Intel. With, you know, I know there are problems with Intel, and there are... There are issues with how, how quickly Intel has been able to release good parts. And I know that Skylake, the previous uh, chip generation, Apple probably held off on because there were some problems with Skylake. I understand all of that. But that doesn't mean either. If those are the situations, then tell us. Yeah. Get up on stage and tell us. And tell us what you're going to do about it. Don't just keep everyone in the dark. And, and you, Because all they've done is they've eroded a lot of the trust they've built up over the years. You know, Apple laptops used to be, until this announcement, well, maybe two, three years ago, they were fairly competitive. Yep. They were a little bit more than the competition. But not, not but, significantly you know, more where you wouldn't even consider yeah, it. That's right. Now look at the line. And, I, you know, I've done the research. I just bought a whole pile of laptops 12 months ago for my, for my office. And we were looking at Mac, MacBook Pros as well. We, we seriously considered it. Software compatibility kind of kiboshed that. But I was looking at them. They were competitive to the Dells we ended up buying. Not today. Nope. Not today. The, the cheapest of these new laptops is $1,500. Right? And that's the one without the touch bar. Right. Well, for a start... Uh, that looks like a product that's de- been deliberately engineered down to f- to to make because the other ones are so much more expensive. Yeah, that's point one. 
Yeah, it's basically an update of the MacBook Air with the rest of the screen. The, now, again, a fine product. There's nothing wrong with that. But fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, when the MacBook Air start starts at uh, thousand, and then you've got the uh, the MacBook in the middle, right? So you've got a low end computer with three year old internals, yep. and a, and a, a terrible screen by modern standards. Yeah, and then you've got the MacBook, which, as great as it is, is too compromised for many people. It's way too underpowered. Then, yeah, because of the power situation. Yeah, because it's optimized for extreme portability. Yep. Yeah, and then you then you've got a jump to fifteen hundred dollars for the for the entry level thirteen inch MacBook Pro, which basically is not that dissimilar to the previous model. Right. Except it's gone up by two hundred fifty. Well, what three hundred dollars? Yep. Compared to the previous model. Yeah, and there's nothing in it that really justifies that. Nothing. Okay, that's that's got, a big part the, right there. It's got it's got the it's got the better screen that the new ones have got, the wide gamut screen. But frankly, that's something you can't really see. Yeah. Nope. It's got it's got the say it's got the it's got better internals though it's not as fast as the touch bar touch bar ones, and it's got the thinner case, the thinner design. Okay, so it's it's now thinner than the MacBook Air. Okay, now would I be prepared to pay a premium for that over a 13 inch MacBook Air? Yes, but not $500. No. $500 is ridiculous. And the problem is, well, is that this is presumably that product's transitional. It'll probably go away next year as soon as they bring the price of the touch bar ones down because the touch bar is where they want to go. Yep. So you're going to buy that product today. That's the entry-level MacBook Pro. Uh, and that's a product that you know is, is going to be on a short life cycle. And at the same time, these Dells, the Dell that I'm talking to you on now, the XPS 13, yeah, has pretty much the same specifications. You've got and buy a new one today. And how much was it? That's that new one, and it's um, it's twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. Between depending on configuration, between nine hundred fifty to twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So if I'm buying twenty of them for my company, that's that. That's a big chunk of change if I go MacBook now. Absolutely. So I'm not going to do that. Then also as well, this whole thing about keeping the old products around at the bottom end—it's insulting. It is. Yeah, it's basically saying if you're if you're too cheap to pay what we think you should pay, yeah, we're going to give you old clapped out hardware. It it is it's it, it's a slap in the face. The Apple Apple always you say all right, they might tell you what what you think you needed, but they always appear to have more respect for their customers than that. Just churning out the old stuff at at a, at a cheaper price or the same price as you always have, and introducing new stuff at the dock. That, that's a that's a dick move. It is. I don't. I. They weren't this. Uh, they were always arrogant. Don't get me wrong, but they're at a different level now. They just. They don't. I. I just don't think anybody there really gets it. I think they do when it comes to the phones, and I think that's the biggest problem when it comes to the Mac. Apple is now a phone company. They're not a computer company, and they don't really care about the computers, except in that you can't create the software for their phones without the computers. And they know that they, if they just killed a Mac line, half the people that buy the phones would switch over to something else. Mm. At least half. But if if that if that's something they do understand, then why not put more engineering effort into the into the Mac line? And what this is what I don't I, I I understand all of this you're saying, and I understand priorities and that sort of thing. But to dis, to to take this decision to take such a tardy. Um, weak, uh, weak approach to the Mac. It's the sort of thing you do if you can only afford to do one thing well. Right. Yeah. 
they are the big one of the biggest tech companies in the world. They are the biggest tech do, company in the world. They could do whatever they want. They are awash with money. Yeah, they have they have access to all the resources in the world they would ever need. Yep. So to do this, it, it then you then you start thinking, well, it's a deliberate decision, and then you think, why? Why would you? deliberately retard one of your lines, one of your diversified portfolio of products just is it just out of spite? You know, because cause as I said, that synergy, as you said it yourself the, if the Mac would disappear tomorrow half the people using the iPhone would switch to something else so it's important to the iPhone yep. it's important to the iPad so why not give it as much attention as you give the phones? I don't understand it. If I were them, I, I mean, maybe maybe the bottleneck, maybe the bottleneck is the design team. Maybe it's Johnny Ives' team. They've got too much work on. But in that case, set up another design team. You know, use some of that overseas cash to build a European design centre in Milan or Frankfurt or somewhere like that. Take one of Johnny's trusted lieutenants, send him over there to run it, and build effectively a copy of what they have in Cupertino for design in, um, in Europe. That doesn't Is answer the Johnny Ives. Well, yeah, well yeah, they can run stuff by him, but basically he doesn't get the final say in everything. Right. And then give they give that design team everything that Johnny doesn't want. So if Johnny wants to concentrate on the iPhone, fine. Then give that design team the Max. Yep. And let them go to down to town and do it and redesign everything. Yep. Yeah. If Johnny wants to keep the laptops. That's also that's absolutely fine. But everything that they're not updating now is presumably the stuff that Johnny doesn't want to do or doesn't have time to do. Give it to somebody else, and get it done. It's. I don't understand yeah. their philosophy and what they're doing. I don't understand the arrogance is what I don't get. It, look, Steve Jobs is always arrogant. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But there's no way what's going on right now would have been acceptable to Steve Jobs. No. And I know we keep saying. bringing that up and it's not fair, but I'm sorry that Apple and Tim Cook specifically has set themselves up for this comparison. Yeah. You know, you... <laughs> You can't say, well, Steve Jobs told us, don't look back, don't think what Steve would do. That's all fine and dandy, except when you're so far off the mark that you don't, you seem completely out of touch with a huge core base of your own customer base, then you're, you're inviting those comparisons. Especially as this is a company who booted Steve Jobs out previously, so he wasn't there anymore, and then kind of went on this same journey Yep. to the point that he nearly brought the company to its knees. Yep. It, it, yeah. Again, if it wasn't for the iPhone, Apple would be in a massive amount of trouble right now. Because look what Microsoft just released. And I think, with, and I'll be the first to admit, I've been a little distracted the last couple of weeks. So I'm not 100% up to date on it, but I get the gist. What they came out with, I think, is the most innovative Mac product I've seen in a long time. And it's not a Mac product. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things that, wow, wouldn't that have made a great Macintosh? Wouldn't that made a, a, a perfect idea for Apple to come out with? Because it reaches out to the... And I, I don't think this thing is going to be a big hit. Let me let me put that out there I, right now. I don't... Well, to be fair, I don't I don't think Microsoft wants it to be a big hit. This is a, effectively their equivalent of a concept car. Yeah. This is something exactly. that will be sold to a very few, few it's very expensive it'll be sold to a very few number of people yep. but the, you know what this is just in the same way that, that you, you you always see IMAX and stuff like that on TV this is exactly the sort of thing that you're going to see in TV shows anytime somebody wants to show somebody using a, a modern a futuristic you know, a futuristic computer, computer yeah. they're going to have a, 
have a computer and for anybody who's not not picked up on the on the surface um what's it what's it called the surface studio something like surface that yeah. studio. basically it's a tw- imagine a 21 inch imac yeah only it's, it's it looks more like a tablet than an imac 21 inch screen yeah that's on an articulated hinge so you can use it upright or you can tilt it forward all the way down virtually so it's like um it's like a drafting board and you can use a pen on it, you can type on it, you can use a keyboard and mouse with it as, as you would with any other computer. And also as well, it has this very, very innovative, this is some, the sort of thing that Apple should have come up with, innovative accessory, which is kind of a, a disc uh, that you put onto the screen and then it becomes an analog control. So you can, um, if you're doing uh, video editing, instead of having one of those little kind of... Um, wheel type things that often video editors use you can just put this straight onto the screen and while you still have your mouse keyboard and a pen in your other hand you can do very fine-grained attachments just by rotating this on the screen it's extremely innovative yeah and um you know it is exactly the sort of thing that if apple was spending time thinking about how can i build a desktop for a creative professional this is the sort of thing they would be coming up with but they're not now you can argue the toss about whether you know Microsoft's approach with Windows 10 and kind of the merging of touch and the, the desktop operating system is the right one or not. Apple's clearly not going that way. They're keeping their touch OS and their um, desktop OS separate. And even with this, these new laptops, they're, they're doing that. The, the touch part is not part of the screen. That, that's, that's a philosophical design argument. But the point is, in terms of coming up with innovative new products, Microsoft's out in front now. Yep. I don't. I don't get it's it. Dis- disappointing, really. I, I, you know, my hope before this event was I didn't really expect this, but I kind of hoped they would come out. What would have done it is they'd come out and said, you know what? Apart from the iMac, we've redesigned everything in the Mac. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, it, it do that thing which they used to do, which is here's a successful product. They did this with the iPod that with the iPod Mini. Here's a successful product. One of our most successful products anywhere. It's gone. We've got something better. Yep. Is the no. Yeah, if they'd have done that with the MacBook Air and the Mac Mini uh, and, the, and the Mac Pro even, you know. When's the then, last then, time, other than the Mac Pro, the, the Apple came out with something innovative? Well, the Touch Bar. I think that's very innovative. Except yeah. it's it's only hardware-specific. It's not across the entire line. Okay. I, you know, you can't really yeah. do that with the Mac Mini. Um, but couldn't you have released also a external keyboard that was USB 3.0? with a new iMac and the iMac is the same the Mac mini is the same maybe upgraded you know processor and some more RAM and here's this new keyboard you can plug in and look it has a touch bar too uh, look I think technically doing a touch bar particularly as wireless which is what the way they want to do it is going to be very very challenging that's why they've not done it um, clearly so, so why make it they don't even have to make it wireless make it USB-C uh, 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 that, that's the thing they don't do they they don't like wires no this because is, this, because this, this is, is again this is Apple yeah. innovating according to not the needs and wants of the users but their own design aesthetic design takes a precedence over everything and it's working on the iPhone it's kind of stagnant on the iPad and it's it's killed the Mac line because they can't come up with anything innovative. I mean, they added this little touch bar that's pretty cool, but it's not going to revive the. No one's going to go out and buy this new Mac because of that. 
Well, the issue as well that what's what's going to hold back the touch bar is adoption. Yep. The the laptops that contain it are very very expensive, so it's not going to be a mass market seller. And I, and by the way, anybody. Uh, I thought this myself as we were talking about it. anybody thinking, oh, you guys, you've just praised the Surface Studio. And that's a $4,000 computer, and yet you've also dinged Apple because their laptops with the touch bar are too expensive. The difference is, this, as I said, the Studio is not a mass market item. No, and it's, and it's a brand new product. This isn't yeah. an extension of what's come before. This is it's a brand new thing. Yeah, but, the, but, but MacBook Pros, Apple expects them to sell in volume. And when you're selling, selling in volume, you've got to get your pricing strategy right, and I just don't think they have here. Um, yeah, but that's, that's the issue. They're very expensive, so not a lot of people are going to buy them, which means a lot, a lot of developers are going to do, uh, spend the time building support for the touch bar. And so, here's the thing. They, what they just did with this is they segmented the Mac market, which is what you don't want to do. You buy a Mac product, and it works on all your Macs. doesn't matter what Mac you have. It just works. It might be faster on one than the other. But it works. It's just a Mac piece of Mac software. Yeah. Oh, well, here's a new hardware piece in just these two specific computers. Oh, well, developers, uh, make sure you, you know, spend a lot of time and effort to to put this feature in. But, of course, if it's a pro user that needs a desktop with more power, more than 32 gigs of RAM, thanks, Apple. Um, yeah, well, you know, yeah. uh, 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 it's you not going to work for I'm them. Prepared. I'm prepared to give them a little bit of pass on the RAM thing. I know that's been a big problem for a lot of people, but um, again, I, I think I, I think that's more at the at the Intel door than the Apple door. I think Intel really are struggling with what they build in to support these chips, and I think that that is a an Intel problem, not necessarily an Apple problem. I'm sure Apple would love to sell you 32 gig of RAM at at, at at um much higher prices for these machines because that's a nice margin add. But um you know, I think Intel limits them there. However, um one thing that occurred to me just as you were saying that is we've been we've been complaining about Apple not servicing things like the Mac Pro and the Mac Mini because these are tiny uh parts of their market and they're not prepared to put the effort in. And yet what you've just said just means that they expect developers to do that for tiny parts of the uh, app market yep. to support these touch bars. It's, so, it goes right back to the arrogance part. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they just don't have an excuse. What I'd like to see, I think, I think if it were me in charge, what I would do is I'd do the thing with the European Design Centre, and then what I would do is I would say to them, to them look, you know what, we can't afford to have... Um, Mac Minis, iMacs, and uh, Mac Pros. I don't want to have all those products. I, I want to have a, a, a consumer product, the iMac, and I want to have a Pro product. I would say, take the Mac Mini, yeah, and you turn that into a Pro product. Yep. What I would do, and my approach to it would be to effectively keep keep something that looks like that form factor, the Mac Mini form factor, and actually make a modular computer. So you buy a basic one. And then if you want more processing power, you want more storage, you buy an add-on unit that clips on top of it and turns it into a larger computer, and it uses a Thunderbolt bus on the back for communication. And so if you need extra processors, you just buy another processor module. If you need more RAM or you want more storage or you want a RAID array or you want SSD or something, that's an optional module. And you even have a module that, that basically is empty and you can put whatever you want in it. And that way, if, if somebody needs something really powerful, they just buy the slices they need. And if they just want a basic desktop, powerful desktop computer, they just buy the ordinary, the base one, and they don't add anything to it. I think that would be really smart, and I think the 
um, both the pro and the consumer community would embrace them for that. Call it the Max Slice. Max Slice or, you know, um, yeah, the, well, whatever you want. Yeah. But I, I, to me, that's the way to do it. I agree. I think, it's, I think it would be brilliant. Yeah. Innovative, different takes advantage of of some of the uh the, the you know the the bonuses you have from the mac mini platform the fact that it's a small aesthetically designed computer and it also gets you away from this monolithic oh we've got the mac pro we've designed it in a special chassis we can't put anything we want in there um and that makes it hard to update which means the thing sits there for three years doing nothing yeah because every year you need a new graphics card then you buy a new graphics slice right. and and that's the thing you're not beholden to one company that can hold up your entire product line i.e. Intel Yeah, it, it, I think it would be great it would be good for graphic artists you know you just you, you buy more RAM slice you buy another slice of processors and just yeah, plug it could, in think, think of it as a development community you could have a slice that actually has ARM chips in it exactly emulates, that's exactly what I was thinking the iPads and the iPhones yeah yeah, and you just put that on there, and then you're running native code on native devices rather than running it in an emulator. Yep. I think it would be great. Apple will never do it. Oh. But, yeah. Anyways, let's yeah. take a quick break, and Dave and I will be right back. You're listening to the G-Man. <laughs> you made a few boo-boos, right? You coming out for one of your biggest events... That's true. And all I saw was him looking down, reading the auto cue. For heaven's sake, Mr. Cook, get your mm together. And you don't know what you're talking about. For your biggest product. I was not <laughs> impressed at all. <laughs> even even the excitement. Japanese guy who can't speak English did a better job than Tim Cook. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the G-Man. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 278. We want to thank our sponsor this week, MacSales.com. David, you know, we're complaining about these laptops. Well, you don't have to buy a new laptop. You can simply no. go to MacSales.com and pick up a used laptop that, oh, by the way, you can still upgrade. Hmm. It still has all the old ports on it rather than switch into dongles for the new one, Ugh. which, you know, I don't think is a big deal. I don't either. But, but uh, some people are, are stuck on that as well. But the thing is, if you want the, I mean, the old, the previously old Retina MacBook Pros, if you're not paying new prices for them, are fantastic machines. I have one and I absolutely love it. And they have got a, just a killer selection of laptops right now. I mean, I, yeah. it's, I can't even... I have to hit the space bar to go down two, three pages to see them all. And they range, the most expensive they got is twenty one ninety nine, which is an i7 with Retina display, 16 gigs of RAM, one terabyte of SSD. I mean, this thing is, is loaded. But yeah. the entry-level 15-inch MacBook Pro Quad i7, um, this is the early 2011 model, which, oh, by the way, is still very fast. And you could put an SSD in here, too. It's <laughs> like a Quad i7. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's full price. That that's that's sweet. And it is eight hundred and seventy nine dollars. That is a heck of a deal. The only thing I would do is I would buy this and I would immediately pull the five hundred gig hard drive out of it and put yeah, in uh, an SSD. SSD. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, is some people need a lot of storage, and they, some people don't want to spend, you know, uh, spend what you spend for a five hundred gig SSD. So um, five hundred gig got, SSD again, in this would only be yeah. like one hundred forty seven bucks. I guess so. I forget, I forget how you're, you're still. It's it's just barely over a thousand bucks at that point. 
Yeah. And you've that got is, and you've got is, an i7 Thunderbolt laptop. That's that is that, very, uh, very sweet. That, uh, I tell you. And I, I think it's worth saying, if if we're right about the the reception that these new machines are going to get, the price of these used machines is going to start going up because they're going to become more in demand. I agree. So actually, if you if you kind of are tempted to go for a used laptop, it might be worth thinking about it over the next couple of months rather than leaving it until the new year, mm-hmm. because um, yeah, the prices may rise. Uh, the market may may decide. Well, look, o- OWC MacSales.com doesn't have a used Mac factory. They have to source these somewhere. Yeah. And if more companies and individuals are trying to source the used Macs because they're more desirable, the prices are simply going to go up. That's going to happen. So yeah. now is a really good time before the the holiday shopping season really kicks in. You still got a little extra money to pick up a, a good used machine. There you go. Eight hundred seventy nine bucks, fifteen inch MacBook Pro quad core i seven, two gigahertz Thunderbolt, eight gigs of RAM. So it even has a super drive. Oh, imagine that you can you could burn a disc on that one. <laughs> well, they say because it has a super drive, you could also take that out and put your SSD in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not now on that machine. You're not getting Retina. To be fair, you're not. You're getting uh, no, but you're um, you're but you're also not spending two grand. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, let, let's be honest. Anybody who's interested in that machine probably doesn't care a whole lot about a Retina display. And and something else that on the, I mean, these new machines are one of the things that that Apple were touting is the fact they're thinner and lighter than the old MacBook Airs, even though they're MacBook Pros. But as somebody who who regularly touts a 13 inch MacBook Pro Retina, right. mine's a 2013. They're not heavy. They really are not. I mean, there really wasn't much in it between them and the MacBook Air anyway. Um, so unless portability is really absolutely your most primary concern, in which case you probably should be looking at the MacBook anyway. Um, that's, you're not going to lose. That's, that's right yeah. there. Why are they? Yeah. Why are you bothering to tell me how thin it is? If I want a thin computer, I'd have just got the Air or the MacBook. Yeah. This is the MacBook yeah. Pro. I expect it to be thicker and heavier. Because it's got a lot more horsepower. It does more things faster. But, no, no. It's a design aesthetics over functionality. Yeah. That everything has to be thinner and lighter. So, um, there you go. So, thank you very much, MacSales.com, for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. And for those who are interested, simply go to MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com, and I will have a link to refurbished MacBook Pros directly to the MacSales.com website. If you follow that over, you'll find it. That way you don't have to search around. Uh, it's an yeah. easy, easy way. And they'll know that, you know, it's coming from our site. So, David... And, and, uh, yeah, just just one other thing mm-hmm. on, on one to add that as well. If, you're in, if you are in the mar- market for a MacBook Air, don't buy a new one. No. You'd be, an, you'd be a chump to buy the new one at this point. Go yeah. out and buy a new one. Because it's the same as these, these used ones, and it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, yeah. So, like I said earlier, um, did get some feedback and uh, on the last show that I did. And uh, I guess we'll just start at the top. I'll take the first one. Uh, it's from Scott Wilsey. It was a series of uh, tweets to me. And he said, uh, Tim, enjoyed your thoughts on the new MacBook Pro. I think where pricing gets prohibitive is on memory and storage upgrades. Completely agree on people's expectations. Personally, I'm not sure if Touch Bar will be great or will hardly get used. 
My biggest concern is wondering if Apple knows their Mac marketplace anymore. Uh, they seem to be happy to lose pro users completely. I, I think Scott's... I, I agree with what he just said. I think that the cost to upgrade RAM and storage through Apple is stupid. Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever buy an upgrade kit from Apple for your... I mean, it's well, it, you. of course, some of these yeah. machines, you don't have an option because you can't upgrade them otherwise. Um, yeah. I, I, I Look, it, it's always been that way. Um, at least it has always been that way. That's not like a new insult. You know, I, I think the things we're steamed about here are as much about these, what appears to be a new insult to customers as opposed to... Uh, yeah, an old as, one. As old ones, yeah. But, uh, you know, I... I I know what Scott's saying, and the, the upgrades are prohibitive, but actually I think the base machines are still expensive for what they are. I agree. You know, also, and, and, you know, we've, also had, we've also had a double, double whammy with that here in the UK, thanks to Brexit, because mm-hmm. Apple took the opportunity of these refreshes to realign their pricing to reflect the, the weakness of the pound against the dollar. Yep. So now that machine, we've been, the, the, say, to, uh, what, what some people are calling the MacBook Escape, which is the MacBook Pro without the touch bar. Yeah, that's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. In the UK, yeah. that is now fifteen hundred pounds. Yep. Which is a lot more money than fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so well, it used uh, to be. We've, we've seen, yeah, we've seen uh, effectively. I mean, some of the some of the MacBook, some of the iMacs have have gone up in price by five hundred pounds as a lot as a result of this realignment. So basically, all Apple Macs now are extremely expensive here in the UK. But to be now, fair to Apple, that's not just Apple. I mean. I I know, but it's it's. You're going to see when, that across the board with all your products. When you're there. not, yeah, but when you're not happy with the line, and then because of political considerations and finance and that sort of thing, you also get the extra kick in the teeth that they're also a lot more expensive than they used to be. That uh, you know yeah. makes me unhappy. I also agree with Scott that you're not sure if the touch bar is going to be great or hardly ever used. It's, yeah, uh, it, obviously it's going to be used in the Finder. And Apple specific apps, providing they keep it up to date, because if it's a kind of a, a flop, they're not going to uh, desktop widgets. Anyone? Um, yeah, it's time's going to tell on that. And I think though his most poignant point right here was he's not sure if Apple even knows what their Mac market is anymore. I, I have to wonder the same thing. I think, I, to be honest with you, I think. A lot of their lines now, if you look at the at all of their lines, um, I think there is a lack of focus. Yeah. There is an attempt to try and beat everything to everybody. And you don't – you still get the focus when it comes to these design aesthetics. No, you will only have one port on the MacBook Air on – the, on the MacBook. No, you will only have one lightning port on the, um, on the iPhone 7 and no headphone jack. Um, th- those, those focuses are there. But if you actually look at these – big sprawling product lines they have now of different machines for different types you've got two different iPad Pros of different sizes and then you've got the iPad Air 2 still for sale and then you've got um, the Mini and and you know and, and then on the, in the phones as well you've always got the older models still knocking around and that sort of thing it all suggests that it's a case of well, when we're not focused on what we want to deliver what we're going to do is try and offer lots of things to lots of different people and hope it all kind of comes out in the wash. Um, and that's not a great place to be. It's no, not ask to be Sony. focused. Yeah. That's a, that's exactly the you tactic know. Sony took, and look where it got them. 
And it, and again, I, the, the the issue I have with this kind of you know keep the old stuff around at lower price points is isn't that kind of what Apple did back in the nineties with all these performers and no all, all these different machines that were no. basically the same inside but with different brand names and different prices. Yeah, but it wasn't that they kept the old stuff around as a, at a cheaper price. It was that they introduced new products at the cheaper price. So that was totally a different mindset. Okay. The whole keep the old one but cheaper really started with the iPod line, where you can get last year's iPod cheaper than the new one because it didn't have as much storage. That's this, really the, where that started. But what we've just had with the with the the laptops now is keep the old one around at the same price it was before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then here's something that's more expensive. But what now they that, used that, to do is introduce the new thing at the old price point. But they're not even doing that anymore. They're like, well, and here's the replacement, and oh, yeah, it's more expensive. Oh, yeah. uh, okay, great, I guess. I, Thanks. I, was it, is it $300 more for the, yeah. for the entry-level MacBook Pro yep. over the old one? And as I say, the, you just look at it, I don't see the components in there to justify that. No, there isn't. There is no justification for it. There's, there's zero justification. That's why so many people are upset that they had this arbitrary $300 price increase and you get nothing in that warrants it. It's just Apple's arrogance being Apple. And that's why I think they need to clean house in the leadership at this point. They just don't know what they're doing. You could even point to the to the phones and go, okay, th- that's the only thing keeping it afloat. And the upgrades that they're doing to this are all very, anybody could have, at Apple could have, done this there, there was no innovative there it's well the screens are better so now they have better screens the camera's better well now it has better cameras fingerprint technology that didn't come from apple that wasn't a thing that apple invented i mean they're, they're not really innovating on the iphone either the design is virtually the same as the very first iphone yes you can get into oh this is a little different the, you put the first generation iphone i've got one sitting right here a foot away mm. from me. You put that right next to the new iPhone. Of course, it's the same thing. Of course, it is. It's a rectangle piece of glass. It's you. You. I, I don't know. I, I. I think they need leadership change at this point. I really do. I'm not saying Tim Cook, but a lot of people underneath him, at least in design and uh, engineering, that all needs to. They just need to clean house. They get some new thoughts and ideas in there. And get things going again because they're just clueless about the entire market at this point. Hearts disagree. Let's go to the next one from Cyrenac. Uh, ah, Cyrenac, yeah. Okay, I was just checking, I was looking at the right one. <laughs> Thank you for that very personal and moving tribute to your mom, Tim. I imagine it must be very hard to lose someone so special so early. For what it's worth, my wife's dad, like you, with. with like with you, he wasn't her biological father, died suddenly from a massive heart attack alone in his home, and that was terrible and traumatic as well as loss that was shock and disbelief to deal with. Losing someone can never be pleasant, but at least you got to be with her and knew it was coming. I am a little bit older than you, but not that much, and thankfully that is a trial I have yet to face. But my parents are both in their 80s, and I know that even though they are in good health, they can't last forever. Yeah, wise words. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, it's right. We are. You, know, you said it yourself last week. You and I are getting to that age now when you know people in our lives start to becomes more way. common. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's hard. 
But then, uh, then Serenak goes on to say, and the Apple event, total farce in my view. We've been waiting and waiting. Uncle Tim, I'm, t- I'm presuming he means Tim Cook and yep. not you, <laughs> even <laughs> promised us amazing technologies, and we got a touch bar on a new, now 30% more expensive range of thinner, lighter, and smaller MacBook Pros. Where is the new Pro, iMac, and Mini? The MacBook Pros are nice and all, don't get me wrong, but some of us work on and make a living on the desktop Macs. We can't keep on pretending that two- to four-year-old tech is acceptable. Hey-ho, keep on hoping, I guess. Keep a sympathy on your family's loss, Tim. So, thank you very much, Sarenek. Um It is. It's. He's right. It's. You can't keep pretending that Apple's some innovative company that their stuff is so much better when, as a desktop user, it's two to four year old tech. I, I don't know how you justify that. And anybody in Apple who gets in front of the press and tries to justify it at all should be fired. Should be fired because you're being completely disingenuous. You're yep. you're you're delusional. Uh, John Nemo wrote in. He goes. Um, he asks, "What is the one single best website or app to use to search for specific shows and find out on what service it is playing for free right now without having to be told I have to pay for it? A simple place is, uh, to find what I want to watch for free on any streaming service." Thanks, Nemo. And I actually have a site that I've bookmarked couple years ago i don't use it a whole lot honestly but it works really well and it's called uh it's www.canistream.it so can i stream it it works really well it's free um that's what i sent to uh to nemo and he said it was uh well he didn't he didn't actually reply to it (laughs) i don't know if he likes it or not let us know if that works for you nemo i I think it's a, a pretty cool service and uh yeah it's can you stream something there it is and he also wrote i've not seen this before it's kind of cool yeah it's kind of a cool website yeah i mean it's not professionally done it's it's somebody runs it you could tell um but it works and at excuse me at the end of the day i mean that's kind of what he was asking for you can do a little search um, I like the interface, and it's got mm-hmm. filters for Netflix, Amazon, Hulu Plus, Crackle, YouTube, uh, Eplex, uh, Steam Picks, Snag Films, which sounds like something I don't want to watch. Uh, Fandor, I've never heard of that, but and it, but it also has things that are new, so you can yeah. click Netflix, and it will show you what's new on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. You can click Hulu Plus, and it shows what's new on. Hulu Plus right now. I think that's pretty cool. And it does have streaming, digital rental, digital purchase, disc purchase or rental, or Xfinity cable. So yeah. it, there's a lot of choices right there. And it is obviously geared towards the U.S. market. Uh, it's not a worldwide thing, but you can search through movies or TV. It's I think it's pretty good. Yeah. So anyways, cool. there's that. Mm. He also wrote, how much... Are deep pocket users going to spend to get USB, HDMI, or other interface adapters with the new MacBook Pro that comes without any adapters, unlike the iPhone? Good point. I think that the secondary market, as well as Apple's own cable adapters, are going to do robust business. Because unlike Apple, we live in a world where we got to connect many different peripherals to our computers to make them more useful. 
Yeah. Now here, here I'm having. I have a computer here that's got two USB three ports on it, and uh, regular, and also USB one USB C. So I'm kind of. I've done. We've had to do the whole adapter thing because that's all these computers have on. So if we want to connect them to projectors or to docks or to um, monitors in our offices and that sort of thing, we've had to do all of that. To be honest with you, it really isn't that much of a problem. There are plenty of different types of USB-C adapters for everything available now. Most of them are much, much cheaper than what Apple charges, and they all, in the main, work fine. Yeah, you can occasionally get a few dodgy ones. You know, I always buy mine from Amazon, so if it doesn't work, I can send them back. But I think John's Um, point is you have to have a bunch of these stupid dongles now just to connect. Look, we're not talking about connecting things from 20 years ago. Things that are on the market right now. Go out and buy a printer. How are you going to connect it? Well, hopefully it's a it's a well, wireless printer, but if it's yeah, not, well, I, you need I a think, dongle. I think, I think that's the thing, is that a lot of things are wireless now, and the stuff that isn't, not everybody needs the same thing. You know, we, we, we for instance, we don't have any, as far as I'm aware, none of our uh, consultants has a USB-C to Ethernet adapter. Because we just don't need them. Right. Everywhere we go, there's a wireless network we can use now. So, so people just don't need to buy them. So we we pay. Unless you're on a secure network. For, uh, yeah, but the thing is, if we need it, then we can go and buy one. But most of the time, we don't, and that means that we're not paying for the engineering and the uh, comp- design compromises of putting an Ethernet port onto the laptop. And it's the same with every single other one. The point is, some pe- some people will live will live and die via their Ethernet port. Others will live and die via HDMI. Um, somebody else will say, no, I don't need HDMI, I need DVI. Somebody else says, no, I've got an old VGA monitor, I must have VGA. The problem is is that I think by having um, dedicated ports for all that stuff, and 90% of the time you don't use any of them, it's it's a waste. And I think that's what Apple's philosophy is here. Here's let's have four ports on these laptops that's all the same connector. That same connector can do everything. It can do video, it yep. can do power, it can do... Um, networking and it'll do that and then you put the right dongle on you acquire the right dongle for your particular use cases I can kind of live with that I think that's you you could always argue whether whether that's right or wrong but in my view that's a fair compromise between functionality um, and supporting uh, all these different standards and look if Apple came out with a brand new desktop line and it was all USB-C or Thunderbolt what is it 3 that they're talking about that it's the same port um I would have no problem with that. Yeah. What I don't like is when they take something away arbitrarily, like a headphone jack, or they don't upgrade anything for over three years, MacBook Pro or Mac yeah. Pro. That's what I have a problem with. Where where yeah. they show a foresight of, of kind of going towards this one universal plug, which is fast enough to accomplish everything you want. They show that it's a real. Yeah. It's it's right there. Oh, great! This we've you been could, kind of waiting for this. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah, but the rest of the stuff, nah. Whenever we get to it, we're just going to pretend that that stuff is still innovative. Because look, we we hope that one day, if USB C becomes prevalent enough and is capable enough, that basically basically all these other different connector types will disappear. Yeah. And everything will use USB C. Yep. And then we'll all be in a much better place. So you've got to do it one end or the other. Yep. And hopefully this is the right approach. And Apple's not alone in this. The rest of the market's going this way as well. Yep. So 
uh, USB-C is finally, hopefully, will be the um, the one interface to rule them all because it it's finally designed right for everything. Last uh, feedback. Plus, still doesn't do MagSafe. No. Which is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one is from Peter uh, from Germany. Tim, thanks for this very personal episode of TechFan277. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thoughts, my thoughts and prayers are with you, your dad, and your family. Thanks for sharing. Now and then, there must be some room for non-techie and personal stuff. As I myself am 49, and my parents, though currently doing well or in their 80s, I expect things to happen. This, Yes, this is the time when we start losing loved ones. I had to pause the episode after the first segment. I was touched, and I decided to walk the dog in the autumn forest, enjoying the day, and listen to the rest of the podcast. Thanks, Tim and David. Keep up the great work with the podcast, however your schedules allow for new episodes. Greetings from Germany, Peter. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate that, Peter. Yeah. Your uh, your email meant a lot to me. It really did. Um, yeah. And like I said, I was, I was torn on uh, how personal I was going to make it. I didn't even know, David, to be honest, when I hit record and started talking, I wasn't sure how long I was going to go or wh- how much detail. You know, there's a lot of detail I didn't go into. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the feedback that I got uh, for that episode, and, and that's only the ones I was willing to share. There was a lot of others that was, they felt a little bit more personal. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not, I, I was, I pick and choose on which ones I was going to, to talk about yeah. here. Um, but, you know, today was kind of, other than the memorial service that we'll have in the spring of uh, 2017, uh, today was the final, somebody had to do something. Um, yeah. The obituary came out yesterday uh, in the local newspaper. I wrote that, and uh, one of the photos that I had, I paid a little extra for a color photo because it was my mom. Yeah. Uh, I sent that to you, didn't I? You did, I and, did. and I, you know, I thought it was really nice, and I think it was nice to have the photo there because so many you read times you read these things and they're they're depersonalized because you don't know the person. Having the photo was a nice touch, I thought. And uh, you know, I, I today I went and uh, I had a an urn engraved because my mom wanted to be cremated. I had an urn engraved uh, with her name. Uh, I think it's a really pretty one. And I went and had the funeral home. They did the transfer. They put her ashes in there. And so I have that here now. And the last thing I have to do is take it to my dad, which I'm not looking forward to at all. At all. I mean, it's... So... But today is kind of the last day of doing things. You know what I mean? A task associated with when someone passes. So it's kind of... In one respect, it's, it's good that all those tasks are now complete. But now it's just the everyday life that that person's no longer here. Yeah. So it is what it is, I guess. It's it's uh, nice to know that people listen, and it it uh, it resonated with some people. Yeah. And and, and that's uh, the most I could have hoped for, David. I'll be honest. Absolutely, and I hope that you know, as 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 with myself, that sharing it helps a little bit, um, because. You know, you'll you'll take whatever help you can get as things move forward. I was debating whether I wanted to post the obituary picture that I took the screenshot at Tech Fan Podcast because so many people did hear me talk about it. Um, but then I thought, no, I'm not going to. It just no. didn't feel right to me. So, 
but if uh, anybody would like to see it, simply send an email uh, requesting uh, to see it, and I'll send you uh, the screen grab. It's just a PNG file, uh, the show at techfanpodcast.com. I'd, I'd be honored to share it with you. Uh, but with that, David and I are going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We, of course, encourage all kinds of feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Apple event. It's been a couple weeks now. Maybe your thoughts have changed. Maybe they've intensified. What do you think of the new Microsoft product? Do you think that's that's an area Apple should have moved into? I do, but what do you think? Uh, and what else is going on in the tech world? Let us know your thoughts. We're going to get off Apple next week and start talking about some fun other things. And your feedback obviously helps guide the show at times. So send us feedback, please. The show at techfanpodcast.com. Or you can simply leave a comment in the show notes at either techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com. And this is show 278, so make sure you leave your comments in 278 so we know kind of where it belongs. Uh, we're on the Twitter, the Twitter, as long as, you know, Twitter's still around. I don't know. That's not looking too good right now. That's a topic that we're going to have to visit real soon. Yeah. Um, but we are on the Twitter, and we are Tech Fan Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, we're, we're on Facebook. David's not on Facebook, so that's... If you see something on Facebook, it was posted by me. <laughs> <laughs> He, he he doesn't like Facebook. They're gonna they're gonna charge you more to use Facebook because of Brexit soon. You know that, right? Not me. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna you gonna avoid that Facebook Brexit tax? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anything else? It's it's for reasons like that that, that we had voted to leave for Brexit in the first place. I tell you, that's right. It was all about Facebook. It's that's the hidden agenda that no one knows about. Brexit was really about Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Anything else before we go, David? No, I'm, I'm good. All right. See you guys next week. <laughs>